you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 175. Guys, we have a Nerdist YouTube channel now. I know, I know, lots of people love YouTube channels, but we're actually uh, we're actually making programming with budgets and stuff. And that's going to launch April 1st. So uh, we're going to be announcing the lineup for the channel very, very, very soon. And I think you might be pleased with some of the stuff, or you might not be. Maybe you're just a, an acrid ball of hate. But I still thank you for listening to the podcast. Even if you are a hateful person on the inside, I still appreciate your business. I'm not going to judge you. I'm a dick 40% of the time. (laughs) 60% of the time, I'm all right. 40% of the time, cranky shit face. Uh, I would you go to the YouTube channel? It's youtube.com slash nerdist. Please click subscribe um, because this whole project will be supported by subscribers and uh, that will allow us to make more programming. And uh, if you know uh, if you know the Instagram, then I have just acquired the nerdist Instagram account. So we'll be I want to kind of use Instagram to give like a, a a, a pictorial uh, scrapbook of all the shows that we're shooting. So uh, follow us on Instagram as well on the uh, Nerdist uh, username. And that is it for all that. I would like to thank Squarespace for coming back and being a sponsor on the Nerdist podcast. If you want to build a website, if you want to start finally, you know, if you want to blog, uh, if you want to, if you want to practice writing, and you need a platform to do it on Squarespace is definitely the way to go. Easy to use UI for creating and managing a website or blog. It's optimized for beginners, or if you're an expert in CSS, they can totally uh, take care of you right there. There's hundreds of design templates to choose from. You can customize any of the designs to fit your needs as well. There's an iPad, iPhone, there's Android apps for updating your blog on the go. Uh, If you're a traveling person, based on customer requests, they've actually added Google's complete web font library. So there's over 300 fonts that are now fully integrated uh, into their platform as well. Online resources and special support team will give you personal help 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Also, if you need live classes to help all levels of experience get comfortable with Squarespace, check out the class schedules at workshops.squarespace.com. So that's it. If you want to start the website or blog that you've been noodling around in your head, you finally have time to do it, go to squarespace.com, sign up for a free account. No credit card needed. Just try it out and start building your website. Then if you decide to purchase it, use the offer code NERDIST2 and get 15% off for six months. That is squarespace.com. Use the offer code NERDIST and the number two. And now this episode. I've been a cake fan since Fashion Nugget when I first heard of them uh, in the mid-90s. And we played the shit out of them at K-Rock when I worked there. And uh, 
I actually got a chance to meet these guys a couple times while I was working at the MTV, and just super, super cool dudes, down to earth, um, nice, nice, nice guys, and really super, super smart, wicked smart, as uh, some people on the East Coast would say. So we sat down with John McRae during their sound check. I had just come back from shooting the special. I went straight from the airport right to the Palladium. Uh, and then John, <laughs> the timing was perfect. He hopped off stage, right, finished the sound check. And then uh, we sat down and talked. It was me and Matt Myra and, uh, and our producer, Katie, who's, who's snickering over in the corner because I mentioned her name. Hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. Shout so everyone can hear you. That was Katie. Uh, we're here at Nerd Melt right now. You don't need all this background information. Uh, John McRae was awesome. Uh, he sat down and talked to us for a while, and then we got to record the sound check. So stick around at the end of the podcast. We're going to play uh, a couple of songs from Cake's sound check. And I strongly recommend that you pick up their album that came out last year, Showroom of Compassion, which is, of course, available on the iTunes or anywhere else you buy music. Uh, I don't know what your life is like, but wherever you get it, that's where you can probably get it. Here we go, the Nerds Podcast, episode number 175 with Cake, parentheses, John McRae. Say goodbye, Katie. Bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. Yeah, the mathematicians can't be cut because yeah. you, you have to be smart enough to question what it is that they're doing. But I found the same thing true. I'm trying to like rebuild this house, and with structural engineers, like same kind of deal. It's like just like don't question it, and and if you, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and they disagree with each yeah. other a lot. Yeah, I that's found. true. Yeah, I mean they got, they they agree on the triangle. Yeah, that's the <laughs> secure form. You'd yeah. think math is pretty like. Well, it's it, it's true or not true. Like, yeah, it's that's a lot of people go into it because they like that yeah. safe feeling of like binary, like yep. yes and no. Uh, it's not like literature where there's all a lot of opinion and stuff, and, or religion, or it's pass or fail. Yeah. Uh, all right, so here we are. We're in the Palladium. Uh, I heard about half your soundtrack. I just got here from the airport. Okay. It, it was fucking amazing. Where do you fly from? I was in from. I came from New York. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So you're tired. I feel okay, actually. I'm okay. pretty tired. I came from four blocks away. Oh, yes. that yeah. is just fuck yourself, Park man. Like, it was Seriously. hard. No. Oh God, I got here in time. Yeah. Um, first, you're gonna be okay. My, <laughs> Thank you. You'll be all right. I appreciate it. Uh, obviously, you have to go through security yeah, no, to walk yeah, four blocks. Hard. You have to put everything yeah. between those bottles. No, that's the future, actually. <laughs> that will be the future. Just walking everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> just a security checkpoint in front of everyone's building. Yeah. It's like you have to get out. Everybody's neighborhood is gonna have a moat and a drop. Then Taco Bell wins the food wars and then Demolition Man happens. It's a nice utopia. Robocop's Detroit. It'll all become yeah, Detroit. No, no. I go by LA or San Angeles. I just want some of those really cool pot I just want some of those weapons that you see on those crazy like military tech shows where you can like knock someone down with sound waves. I just yeah. I just want that. Non-lethal weapons. Or the microwaves where you can melt their insides. I don't want to melt people's insides. What are you afraid of melting people's insides? <laughs> yes, I am a little bit afraid of melting people's insides. Wouldn't you feel bad? Are, are you man enough to melt someone's insides? <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm not a pussy. I'll melt someone's insides. You would feel... Because it's one of those things where it doesn't look like it's doing any damage. So you're like, this isn't that big of a deal. And they yeah. just crumple into a heap. And then yeah. and then you go, oh, what? I just yeah. melted that guy. Did you make poo out the melted stuff? No. All right. Why would curious. it... Yeah, I guess... 
It's got to come out. Um, maybe later. Let's think about that. <laughs> John McRae, I feel like the last time I saw you was a very drunken, like, three days in, like, 98 or 9 or something. Yeah. You, you guys were playing the palace when it was still the palace i think i think so yeah. and uh that was a fucking great show and 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 then we went out for a while yeah and then uh and then i haven't seen you since <laughs> so so something bad happened no who knows we don't remember <laughs> but but i just want to say number one congratulations for still being around yeah after all these years yeah uh you look good you look healthy uh how's things thanks you do too I, I'm, thank you i'm i'm doing okay i'm um you know uh, I still sort of hate touring a little bit, um, yeah. but um, uh, you know, I'm thinking about maybe dropping out of the music industry one of these days. I'm not sure when, but you really, know, yeah, probably, yeah. Well, you guys, well, you've been you've been doing music for like 20 years, yeah, now, almost right? 20 years, yeah. So it's understandable that I might be <laughs> tired of you're five years living in your a gold bus. watch. You're gonna get a gold watch in five years. There's, I don't think so. There's no, no, there's no gold watch in the performing arts. No, no, it's it's you, it's a boot in the butt. I think. <laughs> is what it is. I think uh, I think you just uh, unceremoniously just stop doing it one day. I don't know if there's anyone comes in and gives you a thing. Yeah, I, a lot of musicians are. Uh, it's it's actually the um, precipitous decline in number of professional musicians in the last ten years. Um, according to the Department of Labor, it's decreased by seventeen percent. Wow. Do you think that's, that's huge? But is that is that because people just aren't claiming that as a profession? Because I feel like there's no. Well, they have to claim it as a profession if they're making money from it. If they're actually, you know, paying taxes or whatever. Ah, the internet strikes again. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But I, I have a feeling it's like I think it's real because I know like people that you know, artists that you know that probably we wish were they were still playing and they're not. So yeah, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, so I know one in particular who I love, who think I think is a very important artist, uh, who's uh, studying to become a bricklayer. What? Yeah. Are you allowed to say who that is? I'll tell you later. Oh man, <laughs> that is a. It's Billy Joel, isn't it? No, <laughs> it's an interesting. I think I believe that statistic that it's like legit because I've seen so many bands just to say, you know, we can't afford to make a record or we can't. It, this is it's. Though so many bands, um, because they don't have their back catalog, mm-hmm. like from the seventies yeah. and stuff, are like glutting the the live thing. So, oh, right. so you have like oh, right. all this competition and all this craziness. I mean, we're fine. We're as far if I want to like tour all year for the rest of my life, we're, we can make a living, you know. Yeah. But I'm just I don't like touring. So I remember even. We were, I remember having a conversation with you like in the 90s where even before everything kind of started to crumble yeah. in, the, in, the, in the music industry and you said uh, yeah it's really you said it's really hard to tour and I think you gave me some number like you go look for example we just got offered like $100,000 to do a, a week's a, you know like a month's worth of shows in Australia and I go oh my god that sounds amazing you go wait <laughs> <laughs> and you went through and walked down like every piece of the pie that gets yeah. carved out until you're like in the end I think maybe I'll make a thousand dollars you know yeah. like to, to be able to cover everything for a month of work for, for a month of work yeah and so the, but the mythology that's like been wow. passed down from the 60s and 70s is like rock star philosopher king uh, coddled overfed yeah. 
<laughs> television set out of hotel room window kind of thing, which is just not real. But I guess maybe a lot of people keep quiet about it because they think it adds value somehow. <laughs> yeah, they don't want they don't want to know that you that you lead the same kind of life that a banker leads. Yeah. Like, well, I go to work, I go back to my uh, my bed, and then I get up the next day. That's right. I, so there's a hood ornament sort of uh, nature to the job. <laughs> so it's so weird. Like uh, Tommy Walter of the Eels and then of Abandoned Pools, who worked with me at the Apple Store. Like in between Abandoned Pools, like they put on their record, and then he's like, oh, I'm gonna go work at the Apple Store and be a genius. And he was there with me for like a year. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I can't make, I gotta write TV jingles or something. I can't make any money on the road or anything. And it's just like, wow, it's fascinating. Well, it is, it is weird. I mean, it, it is that sort of, the, it seems like the paradigm shift certainly was in favor of like, you know, teenagers or, you know, young people just making free stuff on their computers. I don't, I don't even think, yeah, I mean, that's just natural sort of free candy is exciting thing. Right. But, um, I mean, what, what, well, I guess if I'm going to be bothered about something, it's not that. It's more that um, Verizon is getting rich off of all this like culture that pe- all the narratives of stories and melodies and independent films and and everything is go- are, are going down Verizon pipelines and 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 on YouTube right. and like I, I'll pop up you know our video on YouTube and I'm fine about our stuff being up there but like a Newt Gingrich ad is like right before oh. our, 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 our video and it's like I have no say so like I can we can either say no we don't want to be on YouTube mm-hmm. or they just get, get to do whatever they want and it's um it's sort of this sort of uh, weird binary sort of dilemma where you can either be completely unrepresented or they get to put a new Gingrich ad and, you know, um, and make money from that ad. Right. You know, and so I've talked to a lot of authors and independent filmmakers lately who are just like, you know, we're not mad at people for downloading our stuff, but if, it, if like, the guy from Mega Upload is making $175 million from ads that yeah. come from people downloading culture just using the bandwidth right? then culture workers should, should somehow find a way to be part of that so they can keep on eating food yeah <laughs> yeah that is it's kind of funny like some of the guys who run like the sort of like the Pirates Bay type stuff they're like come on we're all about free expression like well you're making all the money and these people yeah, are not. exactly and I think they've got the, they, they're doing film shoots I mean, like photo shoots of like the rap star in a pile of money with diamonds everywhere that, and then the, it's a, like a meme that's going around all over on the internet that says, you know, file sharing is hurting artists. And it's like, who <laughs> paid for that photo shoot? <laughs> oh, man. Google or, you know, or, you know, who, who, who's, there's, uh, yeah, anyway, I, I, should, I should be quiet. No, I, I mean, but, but it's an interesting, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept that, there's always some machine in place, and whether you know, like uh, fifteen. I should, I should say for the listener, if you're hearing things in the background, oh, we're backstage. There are crazy carts going. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> crazy carts. That crazy sounds carts. fun. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a game. Like right big there. wheels and yeah, it's very drums. similar to Mario Kart. Um, it, fe- it feels like there's. Uh, oh, I want Krupa. Yeah. Uh, it feels like there's always some sort of a machine in place, whether Absolutely. it be the music industry, yeah. you know, fifteen years ago, or just the sort of you know whatever it is now right uh, do you do you prefer one or the other or is it just like ah, it's all the same well I, I I mean certainly the the old music machine was uh, corrupt and um, sort of you know I feel very hateful about that machine but um, it's uh, I'm, I'm not sure the new one is necessarily um, better for for um, like uh, 
uh, for musicians who want to eat food. It's actually right. Um, it's I heard a lecture by a guy who actually broke it down and um, like showed like the numbers of like you know iTunes and these like digital distributors. Um, they're not really distributing in the old sense of the word, but they're taking like thirty percent. And then the record company gets like, you know, an, an indie record deal, they get about 50%. Sure. So you've got like 30 plus 50, and then you got 20 left. Right. And it's like, but it's, but it's on one song because it's like people don't buy yeah. albums anymore. So it's like, there is a, there's a problem, you know, and there's a reason why we have 17% less musicians than we did 10 years ago. Cause it's just facts, you know, um, and I'm, I think it's an interesting time, and it's really great that the gatekeepers are gone. Mm-hmm. Like, the traditional music business gatekeepers are, you know, there's very few of them now. And you can just, you can break in, and uh, you can get attention for about three weeks. And, you know, <laughs> and um, it's very difficult now to sustain people's uh, interests, you know, to... to um, to keep uh, what was that video that, that was that a couple months ago that where there was a dog and you know it's like it's oh but what band was that and, right you know so it's 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 a great time in you know for for freedom of expression and um, cultural um, sort of uh, uh, ideas moving through space mm-hmm. um, but it's also like structurally it's very hard for people that make culture um, to um, yeah. To, to keep it going. But you guys were sort of, I, I think, the fortunate thing for, for Kate is that you guys were kind of, I don't know, a culturally grandfathered in. Like, you had a yeah. foundation it's really kind hard. of heading into yeah. this revolution so that people, you already had an identity. Yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, I, to be a, a band that's starting out right now, is, uh, it's got to be really challenging. I would think so. Uh, but I also think, you know, I don't know, it just seems like, well, there's a... You know, you can set up a show anywhere, and you can just perform. And you're like, no, because you really need promoters, and you really like. There's yeah. still, it's like this weird hybrid. It's this weird sort of Frankenstein thing where it's like there's enough systems in place from the old model, mm-hmm. but then there's a new model yeah. that doesn't quite fit in with the yeah. way the old model works. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see like some of the old systems give way to new systems. You know, there's. There's definitely a lot uh, that's anachronistic about, um, you know, this, like, for instance, the touring yeah. um, uh, machinery or, or, or a dispensing systems, you know, they're sort of like really, um, you definitely see, I see lots of room for improvement and increased efficiency. Um, when it comes to, you know, playing live shows and touring, there's a lot of like, Corruption that's sort of built into it, yeah. and that won't, that refuses to go away. Like what? Like what? What's I'm here. Oh, okay, yeah, you're right. I can't talk about it. I mean, because as a stand-up, it's just like if I go do a show, it's like, well, it's me and a microphone. Actually, you know what though? I know what I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like you do. It, I do, especially <laughs> because you know, like when we go do a show somewhere, if we go, uh, sometimes we'll go. Well, we need a screen for a thing we're in it, and then you'll go, "Oh, yeah, that's like uh, that's like nine hundred dollars." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what? Where did you come up with that number? Yeah, we got that, <laughs> and it's exactly nine hundred dollars, which is always like, why is that nine seventy five? Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's that. There's tons of that. I, I would love to see musicians or or artists or cultural workers get together and buy and like go in on venues and go in on promotion and find a way to sort of create a cooperative, like a an online cooperative yeah where we where we reduce the cost of all these things and get rid of 
the assholes that are stealing money from us. I'm, I'm going to bet, though, that there might not be as many people who are as uh, <laughs> mathematically adept and responsible as you are. So you might you might get a bunch of ours who are like, yeah, man, that's great. And they're like, yeah. hey, guys, come on. We, you know, we got to buy toilet paper. That's the, you know, yeah. You know. Well, that's the problem with artists. And that's why we've always been like, it's like taking candy from children. And, <laughs> and also, culturally, there's the, there's the sort of... Um, and you're fetishizing of the Im- being impractical, like uh, as an artist. Like, oh, to, right. To not, to, you're not supposed to care about food. Right. You know, and <laughs> uh, real artists, you know, you're not supposed to know how to add. Yeah, you, yeah, real artists don't know how to do things. Right. You know? And so there's that fecklessness that's, mm-hmm. I think, been fetishized. And um, that's, you know, there's all these cultural obstacles in the, in the way um, of actually, you know, Making substantive change, and it, but the, and the sucky thing is, is just you know, and I'm sure a lot of this has changed for you in the last twenty years. Where you guys, I mean, I don't know how, how much of an active role did you take in every facet of your careers early on, or did you sort of turn that over to the label? Um, we actually, our first album, we released on our own label. So we, you know, various members of the band actually did those jobs of you know, we found distribution in, in like in Europe and actually French people liked our, our first album before anybody else and we got good reviews and like like we did all that stuff we like you know set up a distribution deal and found people that liked us and they talked about us and um, I didn't actually I wasn't the one doing that but we as a band I did other jobs I, I made a video and um, designed the record cover so you're like a Justice League everyone had a sort of power yeah it was kind of cool you know um and but it's impossible to do that, uh, have that sort of much participation in it if you're constantly on the road. Yeah, and so that's the real that's the real challenge. Like maybe now with the internet, maybe there's a way of of sort of you know doing some of these things ourselves though, with some sort of really simple interface. Sure, you know. But um, in when we first started out, um, we we there was a process of slowly relinquishing. You know this control or that control or yeah. that you know another control to various outsiders that really didn't see the difference between our band and all the other bands. Like they didn't understand us culturally. And no, and they ultimately don't give a fuck in exactly the same way that you give a fuck about your thing because yeah. it's not their thing. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So that's so that's a problem. You know. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm a little bit optimistic. I think that there there could be some solutions here and there. Um, just little solutions, no big solutions. <laughs> I think you should start uh, John John McRae's little solutions, like, yeah, just like yeah. a, like a, a video series, just like hey, and like like ten ten parts, yeah. and each thing is just a little thing that kind of helps. I honestly, yeah. you have a, you have perspective that a lot of young bands don't have, and you, right. you could actually affect some serious artistic change. Yeah, one thing that I think would be really great is a screening process for. The like our handlers and um, like people that who's like who have our lives in their hands, like sure, for instance, bus drivers. There's no like screening that I know of, and a lot of them are like on like all kinds of speed and right. And you know, you wake up at four in the morning and the bus is like careening and going over the bumps and stuff. And you're it's just and there's and I've asked managers, and they're like, Well. Um, well, I th- I'm sure that the company uh, must, <laughs> you know, but there's no, we don't know that. You these know? are not fucking FAA pilots. Like, no, these are- a lot of them are, you know, used to be a truck driver for a little while and likes the music business. I don't trust anybody to, to 
to drive a, a huge like machine that is into the idea of being in the music industry. Oh God! <laughs> right? What did you what, what did you do before bus driving? I was a meth farmer. What? What? Yeah, yeah I just yeah, I farm meth. Drive, drive around all night. Well, I mean, the the fact is that we we don't know that these people are not and some and some of them are great, you know. Yeah. So I think there 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 could be some like way, little ways of improving sure our odds, you know, <laughs> of survival. Yeah. Of just actual survival. Yeah, because I have I have musician friends that have you know become like. Had nerve damage from bus accidents. Oh my so. god! You end up like Metallica, and then you need a new bass player. Yeah. Well, and the, and the, but the, the hard thing is, is just I, I think at, you know, performers in general, <clears throat> there's a certain amount of impatience that comes with like, no, I just want to perform. Yeah. And then you just don't want to fucking have to worry about all that stuff because it's not, it's not, it's not in your in your gut, you know. Yeah, it's not, you're not thrilled about it. No, you know, no. You're like everybody, look at me, I'm on stage. You it, know? It, it, so. Uh, and and it, 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 it runs counter to being a responsible adult. Right. The, the sort of weird, inherent sort of narcissism and egocentrism sure. of being an entertainer is antithetical to <laughs> worrying about whether the bus driver's on speed. You have to, and you have to, you have to worry about you know what's going, where, where, where are the t-shirts, and then where yeah. do those happen, right. and then what time are they opening the doors, and who's got the pat? Like, you still kind of have to manage yourself, which is not what you set out to do. No. No, you don't. I mean, and you and and there are people that have that have delegated those jobs really well, and they they happen to find good people for periods, and and then there's people who have you know had their careers ruined by by you know trusting the wrong people. Yeah, I guess it's just I guess it's just sort of going back to what you said, the sort of romanticized idea, like that Joe Walsh song. I was like, yeah, like I don't know, man. Everyone's just taking it, man. Yeah. No, I'm just fitting for, for the ride. I'm just a groovy minstrel. Yeah. You know? <laughs> The, the character from that song, by the I way, know. got fucking taken for a bath afterwards. Like I know, that. I know he did. And, and 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 that, in a way, having that character to reinforce those stereotypes is continuing to sort of have a negative effect. Yeah, you know, I think. Well, and and now we're such. I don't know. It's well. I guess it's always been this way. Everyone's. All musicians now just look like parade floats to me. Like there's just like it's just there's such a a goofy parade. But now that I'm thinking about it, there was hair metal before that. The '70s was crazy and all the you know. Yeah. So it's it's not really different from that point of view. They're they're, I think what they are is they're they're proxies. They're they're um, they're like Greek gods um, uh, or aspects of the human psyche that that normal people. Uh, responsible adults have to repress. <laughs> That's oh, I like and, that theory. And so we want Ted Nugent to fucking go crazy. Yep. And and like you know do terrible things um, uh, and and explode. And we'll listen to it on the weekends. And but then on Monday, that very presence of Ted Nugent um, is going to allow us to go back into the cubby at work. You know that he's doing it for us so we don't have to. I love that you brought up Ted Nugent. I I have a, I made friends with you know Jack Blades. Huh, I don't know who's that. Uh, uh, Jack Blades was in Night Ranger and he was also in Damn Yankees. There you go. And Jack Blades told the story about like yeah, Ted Nugent after shows. This is the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard someone do. He used to stack girls like four on top of one another and just fuck them up and down. I'm like that is sounds awesome. No, okay. It sounds, uh, why don't? It's like a factory. <laughs> it's gross. Like how are you like the? It's the fastest way to spread diseases. It re- <laughs> it's like how are you like the third girl in a weird fuck Jenga 
stack. Yeah. And you're like, yep, this is exactly where things are really going according yeah. to plan. She Letting Ted Nugent fuck you. Like, that's so weird. Third girl says, at least I'm not fourth. Fourth girl thinks she's first. That's how it works. <laughs> oh my god. Why you really thought this yeah. through? Well, I mean, they all had parents and families. <laughs> yeah, and, like, they had and we went to school. So they're your maybe sisters. <laughs> oh, or people. God. That's fine. It's just, it's just it's just but you hear you hear the mythology like that. I mean, it, it is like the the gods thing is the perfect example. Like that is part of the mythology of that. Yeah. Whether or not he actually did that, I don't know. Who knows? But it's just the mythology, you know, gets built up, and you think, yeah, it's awesome. But I think it's like it happens in, in, in slightly different variations in different genres. So you have like the blues uh, musician being the gritty sort of urban struggle that the white like pudgy uh, sort of coddled lawyer can sort of have in this like dis- the distilled suffering of like black people who've been like uh, in jail or whatever in this huge CD collection. Mm-hmm. Like he's a connoisseur of of struggle and grittiness and. Um, and it, it, so it allows us in these different genres to sort of um, dabble in in, in uh, these sort of caricatures. And my only problem is that maybe in having the luxury of this sort of um, fantasy struggle that someone else is sort of making for you, that maybe that lawyer, for instance, is less inclined to have his own gritty struggle. Sure. Maybe Maybe it's easier for him to to take the cush sort of corporate job instead of like, you know, fighting for, you know, things that, that he, that he, <clears throat> yeah, he can only, he can only experience it like 12 minutes a day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dri- uh, driving home at night from the, from exactly. The when he's, when the time that he likes most, which is when he's in his car. <laughs> but and then, and then that's when he can really connect with the struggles of the common man. Right. In his car. <laughs> with a fancy CD flip. Well, yeah. good for him living 12 minutes away from work. I mean, that's, that's not bad, that's yeah. Nice. In other cities, people get to yeah. do stuff like that. Well, not, so, not in Los Angeles. <laughs> what would you say, I mean, because pretty, you know, well, actually, well, the first album I heard of your guys was fa- was Fashion Nugget, and mm-hmm. I worked at K-Rock at the time, and, and, and it just exploded on K-Rock. Um, but, and I feel like, Pretty quickly, the first time you hear a Cake song, you immediately go, "I totally, I totally see the point of view." Mm. Um, not everybody does. Really? Yeah, not everybody gets it. I don't know. I just, it just, it made a lot of sense to me. And there's a certain like, oh, these guys are cool and snarky, but funny, and not taking anything too seriously, and kind of ironic, and mm. but, but still good. Like, mm. I don't know. What, what's your, what's, what was, your, what was your sort of take on it at the time? Did you, did you see any of that then, or was it just like we're just doing what we like doing? Um, I think our music was, um, in some ways, um, sort of a hostile, reactionary gesture musically uh, against um, a lot of the music that was popular at Grunge. the time we came out. <laughs> yeah, which we saw as sort of big dumb rock right. in different clothing, sort of like <laughs> right. like Rush in different clothing, like a different. Um, you know, slightly different fashion sense, but still, the ripped jeans just got baggier. Yeah, exactly. And so we were just—I was just—I personally was the most fed up with, with big dumb American rock sound. Um, and you know, some of it I heard in in grunge, some of it I heard in different move, movements. Um, but I guess I, I thought in the United States of America, maybe. It would be way more subversive to make music that sounds small, you know, that's not just, you know, wide load kind of like the oral equivalent of deforestation. (laughs) (laughs) Right? 
that's an amazing that's an amazing metaphor for big like arena rock right but I, I guess I guess what the way I felt at the time was that that's not it's not subversive in any way and like there's um, there's just something that becomes it becomes really common to just have everybody turning it up to 11 sure and, and it, it also just didn't make sense for me to, to glamorize turning it up to 11 um, so much mm-hmm. and especially if like it's about math in a way if there's a finite amount of resources on, in, on the earth you know it's a finite amount of minerals or uh, you know uh, oil or, or rare earth like that we need to make cell phones the idea of turning it to 11 becomes like sort of questionable and um, although it's like as far you know capitalism needs a growth economy every month of the year sure um, it's actually if you if you do the math it's completely like a brick wall that we're gonna like be crashing into top speed pretty soon and so that was that was the other thing in the back of my mind but mostly people misunderstood our small sound for weakness and really maybe you understood it and a few other people sort of understood that oh they're trying to do that but I think a lot of people thought oh okay the whole thing is just a joke and and it's their guitars must not be good enough to to turn any louder really yeah I don't know I I I hadn't thought of it contextually in terms of um, you know it's sort of the antithesis of this this other type of pop music that's happening right now but but now that you say that, it is literally the opposite in every way. Like every the the lyrics are very crisp. Uh, all the sounds are very clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything kind of cuts through like a laser in a weird sort of way, as opposed to just being fucking spread out and noise all over the map. Yeah, yeah. So which is you know not for everyone by any means, but I, I like when someone understands that yes, that's what they're trying to do there must be something else that they don't like very much because <laughs> otherwise, you know it, it, so I, you know, to me um, for many years um, we were just like, they played us on the radio they played us on TV a little bit but it was like sort of as the palate cleanser between the real songs you know, yeah. sort of like the, the, the funny court jester coming in there for a second and then let's get back to the the meat rock, you know, and um, and so anyway, yeah. So that's was that was frustrating, but uh, always really, really refreshing when somebody would come up to me and say, "I understand what you're doing. That's I, that's good." But then, but do you appreciate that until they and then they followed up with explaining what they think you're doing? You're like, <laughs> "Oh, that's not really." Yeah, well, that's happened. Well, yeah. <laughs> Did that just happen just now? No. Oh, thank God. That's happened a lot. Though. I would have felt like such a tool. No. Such a tool. What do you? What do you? I mean. Now that you've been doing this long enough that you've been able to sort of, you know, just artistically have all these, you know, you have, t- you have a bunch of albums and you've... Do you, how do you write now? Like, what are you reacting to now? Do you, feel, do, you, do you ever feel like, ah, you know, I have to react to something to write or can you just kind of get to that place? Um, uh, you know, I, I, I have a pad of paper in my back pocket right now and I, I just take notes when I walk down the street or... If I'm talking to someone and they say something interesting, I'll steal it from them. <laughs> you know, whatever. You're like you know. a comic. I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly like a comic. Yeah. Do you do you uh, do you, do you see a lot of parallels between comedy and? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine, Eugene Merman, has yes, oh, talked about that at length um, over a bottle of 
Um, I think it was something really horrible. It's a brown liquid. <laughs> yeah, something brown. <laughs> um, but yes, it, there's a there's a certain mathematics to it, and there's a certain that's uh, a lot about timing and geometry, and um, it's a sort of, it's applying um, like a sort of a sort of a formula to different things in the world, and okay, here what would happen if I turn this upside down, and mm-hmm. and and. Um, it's a it's there's a certain thought process that I think is very um, similar to music and um, and and writing uh, songs that that is in comedy and it's and it's sort of about that um, the sadness of life too where, where there's a cathartic moment where oh you know it's painful this is painful and then you have to laugh and there's something there's some sort of weird inversion of that happening with music. So, do did you ever think that about ever trying comedy, or did you ever think? Um, not so much. You know, I I I thought about writing comedy one time because I, I you know I, I thought mm, uh, Saturday Night Live is not working out lately. <laughs> and, and, you know, and my friends and I were getting stoned a lot, and it was just like we were coming up with some good ideas. And I thought, <laughs> God, if only we could just like you know give them a few ideas. And so anyway, but I would never have the. I'm too busy with my guitar right, right now. I don't know. I really feel like there could be like a fun yeah. music slash a music show with a comedy element. Yeah, to it. yeah. I, I think I think that's you know. It's Nick Thune. <laughs> no, when in doubt, go animation. When in doubt, animation. Yeah, totally. You could totally you could totally do. I think a cake animated series would be fucking awesome. Yeah. Well, there's something good about but not having your face in the you know in in the video. But also just being able, just being, just having this kind of like rubber world that yeah. you can manipulate. That, that that a rubber world that directly accesses people's child brains. Yes. You know. That circumvents a lot of the the other stuff. You know, half half the people can enjoy it because of the whatever sort of message you're getting across. The other people just like to drool at shiny colors. I like pretty colors. <laughs> Look at all those colors moving around awesome. all over the place. Whee! It's magical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I actually I've thought a lot about animation. Uh, that's interesting. You bring that up. Yeah, maybe that's a way that I can stay home once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> do you? Uh, so you're married? Do you have? Yeah. Do you have kids now? Yeah, one uh, daughter who's about 20 months old. Oh, congratulations! Thanks. I mean, I know that's still almost two years, but it oh, still no, seems, it's, must still seem kind of new. It is. It's crazy. It's, it's you know, it's absolutely surreal. Um, yeah. So it, where you know, I obviously for that reason I would wouldn't mind being home once yeah. in a while. Um, this last year, I was gone a lot, and it was hard to like get these photographs of my daughter on Fourth of July or my daughter on Easter or whatever. All these like you know photographs that I'm not sure part of, and um, so yeah, so there's that. And so you know maybe this uh, animated thing, you know maybe that's the way. It, but I don't know if people want to pay for anything. So how do I how do I how do I make food? There are, there are ways to make food from yeah. cartoons. I think there are ways to make food from cartoons. We, I, I, we'll, I'll, we'll talk about it. I have, I have, ide- I have ideas. Maybe John. we can contact some major corporations to sponsor us. <laughs> I, that's, that's part of how you I do it. I think so. That's part of how you do it. I, think, I, think, I really think there's something there's some fun here. But, I, yeah. but, uh, but you know, you, do you find the older you get, because this happened to me like a couple weeks ago. I was driving around and... Uh, Talking Heads Once in a Lifetime came on and it just made more sense to me than it ever had like I always thought it was a great song mm-hmm. whenever you listen to my really listen to it and then you start to get older and you're like 
yeah, how did I get here? And yeah. so when you you must, you know you're touring constantly yeah. for you know for years, and I'm sure there must be something in your brain that all of a sudden is like, wait, why am I still doing? How do I still? I yeah. just didn't even question it before. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, I think people uh, they set out in a certain direction, and, and that there's a momentum to that direction, and you just you know every once in a while you uh, you wake up and you're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Um, and that's okay, you know. It's, I mean, there's something to be said for going in one direction for a while, right? But um, it shouldn't make you incapable of uh, turning yeah, into a different direction. No, it's but it is. It is definitely you know your brain gets locked in crazy patterns, yeah. especially if you're math minded, which it sounds like you said your dad was a mathematician. He's into math. I'm into I think intuitive math. Uh, I'm not necessarily into real math, but yeah. <laughs> Did you go to? Did you study? Did you, did you go to college? Yeah, I did. I, I I studied English, though. I was not practical in that way. I, I mean, I, I I get math, but I am not a mathematician. But I, what you were gonna say is that it is that math is uh, uh, it's hard it, when you have a sort of mathematical understanding of the world. It's hard to. What were you gonna say? Well, I just say it's 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 sort of it's it's hard just to be. Uh, an English major. Now, not, I mean, just in the sense of like, oh, no, no, you know, there are loose interpretations. Like, yeah. for instance, I one of the reasons why I have such a hard time not have, being sickened by the concept of politics is because it's just, there's no, I mean, with, you know, a few exceptions, there's just no finite answers. Yeah. Everything's just so gray. Pretty hopeless. And, and, hope, and weirdly hopeless. And it's just like, oh. Yeah. yeah, but then I don't really know the real story, and people are telling me a bunch of shit that may or may not be all the. I like I need all the facts in front of me, and I need to organize them, and I need to see how they. Yeah. How they sort of add up and yeah, group. Totally. And it's very hard for me to. And the more you learn about a subject that you maybe once felt passionately this way about, the more you learn about it. There's well, the other side has this. Also, there's that's a valid <laughs> what? concern as well. What do you mean? And that's why when people become older and sort of more educated on issues they become sometimes they become less passionate about those same issues which is which is dangerous which is just as dangerous as being a, a, a young dumb shit yeah you know it's they're both kind of but I also wonder if part of that with you know with like people who get older is that they that there's just like a physiological thing where they they just lack certain chemicals flooding their brain because they're not supposed to be hunters anymore. Yeah. And so they're just like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I still give a shit. I I, I wish that um, that our country could grapple with um, some of the real issues that are facing us. I, I wish that we could do it really quickly, you know, because I feel like there's uh, it's a high stakes adventure right now. Do you feel like the stakes are higher now that you have a baby? Oh, certainly. Yeah, because b- before I had a baby, I had zero hope that we would <laughs> that we would make it, you know. And now I'm like, well, maybe there's a little bit of hope. <laughs> That's kind of an interesting idea that maybe that just, you know, you're that you have this biological program running that's like yeah. My 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 genes are out there in the world. There's hope that that like there's yeah. got to be hope. I still don't have very much hope. <laughs> and the way actually the way I rationalized having a child was, um, you know what? Um, she's got she's gonna have she's gonna have a good time mm-hmm. for five years or ten years or or maybe for a long time. But it's it's better than nothing, right? Well, but I also think that you know I think if you were to if you were to interview 
people from every generation, they would all say like, oh, why would we bring a child into this shit world? Everything's going, you know, like it's the dawn of the industrial revolution. Like, oh, the smoke's, the, the, the clouds, the skies are black now. Yeah. This, we're not going to make it. Yeah. You know, yeah, and somehow. It's exceptionally shitty right now. <laughs> <laughs> they always say that, man. I, I feel like they might. We, are, we have science saying that. That's, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, it's really like, you, it's not a matter of opinion anymore, though. It's, no. There's, there's, you know, I believe in science I, I think people are sort of cherry picking what they'll take from science like oh well, I, I I love the flat screen TV but I won't I won't believe this other thing that's, that's inconvenient there, there, was some sh- there was some shocking numbers that I was reading that even oh I think it was something like 40% of Americans just reject Darwinism period yeah. just flat out reject it um and and I don't think it's because they found a, a more sound scientific answer. <laughs> I mean, I'd be willing if someone's like, no, 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 I'm rejecting Darwinism because I've actually found out that you know there was this pod that yeah, came down right. from, and I have the proof, yeah. and then we. Uh, I bet it's just never been explained to them. I think it maybe they don't want. No, because they all think. That it was uh, a monkey fucked another monkey and then a human was born. That's what they think <laughs> is the case. They don't understand the gradual thing that may have happened. It's hard to also confirm. Not, not even may have happened. It happens. Somebody that lives maybe sixty years or so, seventy years, we're lucky. Um, it's hard to even conceive of the amount of time that it would take for that monkey to become. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, you or I. Yeah. yeah. But still, it's just you know. We, I guess. I guess you just take it for granted. You're like, oh, well, you know, because of the internet, I mean, you know, we have all of human knowledge. I mean, you could just research. It's not like a hundred years ago where, like, getting to a library was, you know, could have been a deadly journey, you know, across hundreds of miles and cholera. You know, it was like, it's fucking... (laughs) Really? When was that ever a problem? I mean, like, libraries were more than... No, 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 no. But think you about it. Go a hundred miles through cholera to get e- to a library. No, no, no. But even even just think about even just think about you know the late nineteenth century. You know, and like they're developing major parts of the United States, and it's not like people just had access, like ready access to you know tons of human knowledge. They just had sort of whatever. I mean, how many times have you been in a room where you're asking a question and someone out loud says, "Why don't we just look it up?" They just had whatever crafts yeah, they had. Just. Listen to Midlake's album. They explain all of the 19th century. Listen, I had to write papers with encyclopedia sets. I know. I'm the last guy that had to do that. I'm the last generation that had to fucking crack open an encyclopedia. Ah, do you remember that, John McCray? Not to sound like an old guy now, but you remember when you had to write a book report by going to a library and sifting through a card catalog? Yeah. I can still cite sources. Paper cuts and everything. so hard. What do you mean this is checked out? I need this. How? I'm not going to get grade if I don't. When's it due back? Three months ago. Ah! <laughs> well, so, you know, it, things are getting easier and, and some things are getting harder. I think it's harder not to get cancer now, probably, you know. I think there's, like, how many people... Is it people harder not have... to get cancer or is it more readily diagnosed? Um, I don't know. Um, I think that, um, I think that it's definitely... You, I, I think of how many people do you know that have gotten cancer in the last five years? Uh, it's probably yeah, zero. I'm I'm luckily at zero. You are thankfully. Oh my god! Nobody I know has gotten cancer. Why are you looking at me? I hope yeah. I don't have. Are you trying to? Don't put it on me now. I just gave it to you. No, I don't want to get cancer. That <laughs> that's how you get it, right? No. Yeah, that's how you get cancer. Yeah, I just you say, discover just that your friend you. has never had a friend who's had it, and yeah. then so it's pretty much yeah. That's, oh man! Sorry guys. 
That sucks, man. You both have it now. No, why would you do that to hey. us? He's got a show. I'll take it back. All right, take it back. All right, take it back. You still have it. No, but I, I'd be willing to. I'd be willing to say that you know because we're working with more synthetic materials than ever before. Yeah, we've introduced literally hundreds of thousands of new chemicals into our homes and our bodies. Yeah, and we think somehow we're gonna everything's gonna be okay. Right, it's not gonna change anything. Well. Actually, it is going to Listen, change. Listen, I sleep next to an airport base station. <laughs> do, do you? Yeah, it's that right next to my head. I like the green light. Oh. That's when everything's okay. It just, it just, <laughs> the, 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 the pulsing of the light just kind of drifts you into. Oh, it doesn't pulse. My network's working. Oh, if it fuck. pulses, you have a problem. Do you find, do you find that with the baby that you are hyper aware of, like, we can't have that in the house, we can't serve her food based on this, or, or do you kind of just go, well. Or we just give up, yeah. yeah. I, probably, probably a combination of both of those <laughs> approaches. I mean, at a certain point, you're like... Depending oh, on how I, how I feel that day. You know, yeah. Sometimes it's just like, fuck it. Um, I can barely do what I have to do, and I don't need to introduce more worries. Um, but other days, I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe it'd be better to give her the organic thing or whatever. Right. You know? And even that, we're just like, well, we just cross our fingers that organic does actually mean yeah. what we think it means, and it's not just, yeah. no, these are just a different set of chemicals. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I mean, it means probably something for another year, and it'll be diluted. And right. There'll be a new, uh, a new term. But, you know, honestly, yeah, it's a struggle, and I think, you know, you just have to do the best you can uh, when you feel like it. <laughs> Maybe you know you might. I I think that if you actually got some time at home with your family, like an extended period of time, yeah. you probably wouldn't feel as hopeless. I mean, I think I I just don't think we're really built to be traveling nonstop, year in year out. I Tell think, that to Magellan. <laughs> I think He's falling asleep in a hotel room to CNN every night probably isn't very good <laughs> it's for. Probably me. not the way. Yeah. And you, and there are some towns you there are some towns you get into where the. It's just like, well, the only hotel options are depressing and slightly less depressing. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's, you know, the toilet kind of moves off the base and there's the weird stain <laughs> on the counter. And, and why do all hotel room doors have to slam? They, all of them. Why do they all have to shake the foundation of the entire hotel every time one closes? That, that's that assurance you get. I don't like that at, at 5.30 in the morning. And why does every hotel have to have at least one to three people who don't seem to understand the concept of the other people are in bed at 3 a.m. when they come back from right. bars yeah. and have to... Hey, oh, my God. Did this happen to you yesterday? No, thankfully, oh, okay. it did not happen yesterday. But I feel like it's been happening a lot lately. Well, the real terror of a hotel is the ice machine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get the room next to the ice machine. Yeah, oh, my God. So, like, so what happened one morning, I think it was in New York, um... I just, I'm like, oh my god, I knew I shouldn't have been right next to the ice machine. And, uh, and so the ice machine's going, I'm like, okay, they'll get enough ice, and it'll stop. And it doesn't stop, and like 10 minutes go by, it's still going. 20 minutes, it's still <laughs> fucking going. So I'm awake now, you know, I'm fully... It's like, it's dark out. Yeah. I hope the story ends with you seeing a penguin outside. <laughs> well, I wish. It was just this guy with, like, all these ice chests, and he was going to have a day out or whatever. Oh. He was filling all of his ice chests. I have to say, I've stayed in a lot of hotels. I've never once used the ice. I've used the ice machine. No. I've used the ice machine until I, one day I was kind of like, oh, wait, 
uh, hundreds of people a day just dig their hands into this, uh. and then and then and you can see like the rust on the edges where the hinges are just Ow. leaking into the ice. Yeah. Like there's not. I'm extra not using it. Every there's day. not really any quality control in a hotel ice machine. They just freeze water. I tried to do a thing after a while where I've challenged myself to never use one. Much like I've never gone to the bathroom on a plane, I now challenge myself. What do you mean you've never gone to the bathroom on a plane? I've never been. To the you've bathroom. never even peed on a plane. You've no. never flown to Australia. Apparently, I've never flown to Australia, but I do cross country quite a bit. But wow, really? that's impressive. Yeah, thank you. So, so you much. can't drink liquids on a plane. I sure can. I can hold it like wow. a champion. Oh my god! I don't. What is it you're worried about? I just don't want to get up. Oh, is that what, oh, okay. So it's not really the window, and it's, then it's like so. That's really more laziness than, than than any kind of sanitary issue. Well, really, is I don't want to bother the people next to me. I like to get the window sleep, not move. And I always say to the person next to me, "I'm not moving. Don't worry." That's very generous of you, actually. That's you're you're a good flyer. I try. Are you are you tour busing it right now? Um. Uh. No. We're just. Uh. uh we do a combination of both. Okay. Right now, we're we've been off tour for a few weeks, so I've been home and. Uh, and this sort of interrupted my time at home. Uh, th- these couple shows. <laughs> when do you get to go back? Uh, tomorrow. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. That's nice. Where's and, home for you? Uh, I live in Oakland, oh, California. Okay. Oh, you guys were from Sacramento, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm originally from the Bay Area. Uh, I grew up in Berkeley, mm-hmm. and um, moved to Sacramento when I was a teenager, and you know, started the band there, and you know, so. What was the music scene like in Sacramento? Um, it goes through phases. It's been horrible and good. Um, it's usually a combination. There's there's always like some like at least two bands that I think are really good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but um, you know, I I I think it's um it was better when the rent was cheap before it the downtown kind of gentrified, and now what used to be three hundred dollar rent is now like fifteen hundred dollar rent. When I lived there, uh, it was three hundred dollar rent or three. 75 or so awesome. and um, so I could I could spend more time playing music yeah. and writing songs and less time um, waiting tables or washing dishes or whatever shitty job I could find <laughs> Sacramento has an excellent train museum really? it, does. Yeah, it, is, it does it is truly yeah. top notch yeah. I've been there I didn't know that it's fantastic I'm coming up to Oakland this actually next weekend for this for a comic book convention Image Expo oh cool um, I like it I like Oakland's kind of nice I think it gets a bad rap you know like for being sort of like, oh, you're San Francisco shitty cousin. Like, but there's really, I've driven through it. There's nice, really nice parts of it, and there's violence. Sure, yeah, there's, that's kind of exciting. I think, um, <laughs> I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's actually got much better. We were just up there for the violence time. We're, yeah. we were just there when that Occupy thing happened. Yeah, we yeah, were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's got a lot of issues, like. Uh, like you know, there are a lot of really great cities that that people don't think are great. So yeah. um, it's it's one of those I think. I'm from Lowell, Massachusetts. It's great. You always say it's not great. It is. Okay, good. parts of it are. What is your favorite like undiscovered gem of a city where, where if, if some if you, that you never would have thought? Oh my God, this place is actually amazing. Um, uh, yeah, I think uh, Philadelphia is really underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there's violence there, just like Oakland, but. It's also got cheap rent and really interesting people that are, uh, you know, musicians and uh, 
uh, artists and degenerates and freaks and stuff that they kind of add a lot of character to that city. Yeah. Also, there's the, the architecture there is pretty great. I feel the same way about Minneapolis. I think Minneapolis is really cool too. Yeah, it's a gorgeous town with like a cool like just enclave of artistic people. Yeah. Really good quality of life, except for the weather. Except for like yeah, except for like seven months out of the year when you want to murder yourself yeah, because right. you live in a fucking ice forest. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> but other than that, it's a fucking great town. Yeah, you'll never feel that way about anywhere in Florida. No, Florida is Florida is just a humid wasteland of. of I've never been in a place in Florida. I've been like, hey, this is great. I, I lived in Miami here. when my I mom's from live. Miami. I lived in Miami when I was a kid for a couple of years, and it's just like the fucking summers. You just you no, want to tear your goddamn eyes out. Be there. Humans yeah. should not be there. It's like a place where people would wear loincloths. Yeah, but you have to wear. You know, trousers. Yeah. <laughs> and, and shirts and yeah. clothing. Yeah. 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 Are you listening, mom and dad? They're probably not. <laughs> no, all the people, all the people dry out. They need to go, they need to be in the humidity to like yeah. rehydrate their skin. That's why they're. Is that a thing? I don't know. I'm just trying all to right. make a, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to figure out why. Reason. I don't have a reason. No, I don't know. But everyone just, like, my dad moved to Florida when he got old. Like, everyone just fucking, that's, I what, did that's it what they do. For six days. I know, but you're not old. I know. But you will be if you're lucky. Do um, you don't get cancer <laughs> oh, again. No, please don't be there. <laughs> um, well, I want to. I think we're almost. Yeah, we're kind of at the end of our hour, but I don't want to keep you because you have a show starting like yeah. really soon. I should probably take a nap. Yeah. Um, but uh, but thank you for being here, John. And well, I mean, in your place of where you're performing. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, thanks for coming and thanks for uh, visiting. And nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. It's three o'clock in the morning, oh maybe it's four I am thinking of you, wondering what I should do But I'm finally cutting through this haze It's four o'clock in the morning, oh maybe it's five I think I'm alive and I think I'll survive I'm finally cutting through this haze of love Haze of love For days and days and days I'm in a haze of love Yeah, you don't love me like I love you Although you pretend I can see this Well, and I'm finally cutting through this haze of love Haze of love For days and days and days I'm in a haze of love 
It's five o'clock in the morning, or maybe it's six. I am sick of your lies. I'm sick of your tricks. I'm finally cutting through this haze of love. Haze of love. For days and days and days. For days and days and days. Alright. For days and days and days. I'm an unknown individual in an unattended car. Hey, welcome to Chicago or wherever you are. New York to London, Barcelona to Berlin, Sacramento, California. We are leaving again.
This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 15% off your new account for six months, go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code NERDIST2. That's NERDIST and the number two. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front-row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.